Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Leading off the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy is good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. A Midwest League champion. Adios! Walk-off home run! Eloy Jimenez! Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye! And maybe that's a winner! Here's Darren Pritchett. Here we go with another hour of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. Also presented by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. We're talking Notre Dame football on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Tyler Horka. He is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can read his work at blueandgold.com. And he's ready to talk some Notre Dame football topics with us on this Wednesday evening. Tyler, good to talk to you as always. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. It's, it's warm in South Bend, maybe too warm. I was sweating walking the dog not too long ago. <laughs> so I feel like I'm back home. I was going to say you Texas guy can't handle the heat, right? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. I just want to get I just want to get away from it is what I want to do. <laughs> well, I guarantee you, probably that first game against Marshall, it might be a little sticky once again at Notre Dame Stadium. Well, good to talk to you as always. I want to talk a little offensive line off the bat, and of course, Harry Heastan back in South Bend, which is great for Notre Dame football, great for Notre Dame football fans, and in particular, the Fighting Irish offensive line and offensive coordinator. Tommy Reese. You know, we've got a lot of familiar names now along the line. You've got Joe Alt and Blake Fisher at the tackle spots. Jared Patterson could be a late first-round pick next year. He's manning the center position. Then you've got the guard spot, Tyler. I think there's a lot of intrigue there. Kristoffic uh, came in and helped settle down the offensive line last year. Josh Lugg is back for another year. He was a tackle last year. You've got some young pups that this coaching staff has been grooming. From your standpoint, going into fall camp, do you think the starting guards have been settled or are those jobs still up for grabs? I would say they're absolutely up for grabs. And in the last couple of weeks of spring practice, I think that was the greatest determination of that when we saw Rocco Spindler getting some first-team left reps at left guard. And, of course, Andrew Kristoffic pretty much came in and I don't think he gets enough credit for what he did. Everyone says that Joe Alt was pretty much the savior of that offensive line when they started playing well in the second half of last season, and rightfully so. He deserves so much respect. But Andrew Kristoffic kind of flew under the radar a little bit. He played some really good football. So the fact that Rocco Spindler, a true sophomore like Joe Alt, like Blake Fisher, was getting some first-team reps, I think he's a guy who – he never really was under the radar because even when Kristoffic was starting and, and Kane Madden, especially at right guard last year, 
everyone was like, where's Spindler? Where's Spindler? Why isn't he playing? Well, he's kind of arrived, and, you know, he's taking that sophomore leap, that second-year step. So I think he's a guy that could definitely, you know, maybe push Christophic out of the starting lineup. And then you go over to the right guard spot, and obviously that's where Josh Luck has moved over from right tackle from last year. And I'll tell you what, I watched that blue goal game, and I wrote a whole article for the Blue and Gold magazine, and if you guys got it uh, this past month, and you guys probably read it, but I said don't, you know, take too much of what happened in the blue gold game and and project it into the 2022 season because that's it's just not going to be that way but I saw a guy Quinn Murphy play really well at right guard and he might have played even better than Josh Slug did and that's a walk-on so to answer your question I'm not going to say Quinn Murphy is going to start or even play significant reps in 2022 but I think the fact that he played really well and caught my eye more than Josh Slug did will tell you right there that Absolutely. Both the left guard and right guard spots are up for grabs. And that, that doesn't mean that, you know, Notre Dame has issues there. I just think that means that there's a lot of competition there. And from Harry Heastan's point of view, that's probably exactly what he wants. He's probably loving to see this. Quality and quantity is exactly what you're looking for. And that's what you just described at Notre Dame at the offensive guard spots. Well, I would say last year at this time, your colleague Mike Singer was the president of the Joe Alt fan club. And I'm not sure everybody... <laughs> was all locked into what Alt was capable of doing. Mike was all in on him, and once Alt got on the field, all of a sudden, everybody's like, wow, look at this freshman mm-hmm. play left tackle, and we're already projecting him as maybe a first-round pick two years from now. Now, that might be getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I think that just shows you how good this kid has been and can be. So Alt kind of came off from under the radar to be a big contributor last year. Is there an offensive lineman on the roster or a freshman coming in that you feel like that we should keep an eye on? Now, that doesn't mean he's going to start this year. Maybe he's a rotation guy. But is there someone you're keeping your eye on? I really like Joey Tanona. And I'm not going to say I'm the president of the Joey Tanona <laughs> fan club because I'll leave those sorts of things to Mike. But... We were able to talk to Joey Sonona before he sustained the concussion, and it sounds like he's going to be okay, and that is a very serious topic yeah. that he was injured in a, in a car accident. But we saw him after that. He was, he was at practices just not playing. It looks like he's going to be okay. There's no need to throw him out there with something that serious after that happens. But before that happened, we talked to him, and we got to see him in pads a little bit. I'm like, boy, that dude is a true freshman. Get him – you know, a summer of Bayless workouts or player-led workouts, whatever it is, maybe even a fall learning behind some of those guys that I just talked about at guard and even some of the tackles, just him being in the room with Harry Houston and guys like Joe Walt, like you said, who might be a first-round pick. Blake Fisher's probably definitely going to be a first-round pick if he's able to stay healthy. Joey Tanona being around those guys at this stage in his career is going to be vital. And then I think you know, you go back and watch some of the tape from him at high school. He, he can move people, and he's going to get bigger, but he already has that innate offensive lineman kind of feel about him. He knows what he's doing out there. I think he's going to be really good. And I say all those things. I could say pretty much everything I just said about Billy Strauss as well. I think the two early enrollees that Notre Dame got, um, you know, this spring, neither of them played much during the spring because Strauss was dealing with uh, a foot surgery rehab, and but once these guys get healthy over the summer and they go into fall camp, I think there's going to be a lot of media types at fall camp looking at those two and saying, who the heck are they? Are they pushing for starting time right now? 
the answer may be no to that question, but in two or three years, those guys are going to be really good for the Notre Dame offensive line. Notre Dame football talk on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio. I'm Darren Pritchett, Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I want to talk about a Notre Dame opponent for a moment, Tyler. The USC Trojans, they have made headlines since last year's college football season came to a close. They got Lincoln Riley out of Norman, Oklahoma to become their new head coach. He brought quarterback Caleb Williams with him. I guess you could throw him into that list of players. It could be a Heisman hopeful. And then they, I guess, quote-unquote steal Jordan Addison, the outstanding wide receiver from Pittsburgh, who had 100 catches last year. With the Panthers, he is now at USC. So the next few years, how much of a threat do you believe USC will be to Notre Dame? Obviously, you got to beat USC to get to the college football playoff, or you have to be perfect elsewhere. So what is your level of concern about what's brewing right now at USC? Yeah, the Notre Dame-USC rivalry never really left because it's always there and it's always one of the bigger rivalries in college football, but it is most certainly back now with that kind of star power. And you think of USC, it's supposed to have star power, right? I don't think Clay Helton really brought that when you thought of USC and and he was the head coach, you're just kind of like, ah, they're going to sputter through this tenure and you know, it's going to be the next guy who brings them back to prominence. Well, that next guy's here. That next guy took Oklahoma to the college football playoffs quite a few times never really got over the hump, and I think if he does uh, bring USC to the college football playoff, it could be a pretty similar situation in the sense that, you know, they're there, the offense is really good, but is the defense going to hold up? Are they going to win college football playoff games? I don't know about that. But what I do know is if USC is making it to the college football playoff, that probably means Notre Dame isn't because that game at the end of the year is going to loom large for both of these teams every single year. And, you know, I know this year it was – you know, in October and Notre Dame got through it rather easily, but I'm pretty sure in the next couple of years, it's, you know, it's that last game of the season, especially this year. So if Notre Dame does have a type of season where they're competing for a college football playoff spot and, you know, maybe USC is only like seven and three, eight and two, somewhere around there a week before this game, you're still going to worry because you're like, this is a full year into a Lincoln Riley offense those guys are probably going to be getting it at that time and that is really scary if you're Notre Dame where you go out to Los Angeles and you have to say all right we're going to have to find out a a way to stop these guys or else we're not going to win our regular season finale and you know we're going to go to the Fiesta Bowl or Peach Bowl whatever it may be and and not the college football playoff like we want to so I think this rivalry is 100% back because USC has that star power Notre Dame has that star power with Marcus Freeman. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in it. And it's definitely going to come down to can the Notre Dame defense led by a defensive minded head coach in Marcus Freeman stop the USC offense led by one of the greatest offensive minded mm. college football in Lincoln Riley. And it's fascinating. I, I want it to be, I don't know what the date is of that game, but can it get here already? That, that game's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, as I make this next statement, This has nothing to do with Brian Kelly or Marcus Freeman and their coaching abilities. 
But Marcus is going to have more challenges with USC than Brian Kelly ever did. I mean, Brian missed the heyday of USC football under Pete Carroll, and they were rolling 20 years ago. And he got to face some coaches that were a little more easy to push around. I mean, Marcus is going to have to go up against, as you mentioned, one of the great offensive minds in college football. So he kind of got the the short end of the stick. Yeah, didn't Brian Kelly face uh, interim head coach Ed Orgeron? And Ed Orgeron's <laughs> a national champion. Don't, don't get me wrong. Ed Orgeron's a national champion. There's a reason he was in South Bend a few weeks ago talking to these guys. But Ed Orgeron also had 14 NFL draft picks on that roster alone and a quarterback who just went to the Super Bowl in, what, his second or third season in the league. So, yeah, Brian Kelly definitely faced a different USC than what Marcus Freeman is going to face because guess what? Lincoln Riley tends to produce, you know, those same types of players that we saw at LSU a couple of years ago, and uh, he sustains that as well. I think he's going to be at USC for however long he wants to. Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Let me switch to baseball for a moment. I'm noticing on Twitter that Florida State knocked off Virginia just a few moments ago in the ACC tournament. So that's the nine-seed Florida State beating the five-seed Virginia. Those two teams are in the same pod as the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, and the Irish will take on Florida State tomorrow at 3, and then they'll take on Virginia Friday at 11 a.m. Did it matter who won that game? I mean, I know this ACC tournament is kind of strange with the pod system, but did Notre Dame have a rooting interest in that Florida State-Virginia game? Well, if Link Jarrett has these guys ready to go, and we talked to him on a Zoom call earlier, earlier today, and it sounds like he does. He said, we will make our starting pitching decision based on what happens in that game. So it sounds like everyone's ready to go. I think this is the perfect outcome for Notre Dame because, as you mentioned, it's the lower-seeded team. Florida State has been struggling mightily really since Notre Dame faced them. I think that was the very beginning of April and swept them in Tallahassee. They haven't really been the same team since then. They were top five at the time. Now they're, you know, holding on, I think, to a number two spot in a regional, maybe even a number three spot, depending on what goes on in Charlotte. But the reason this is good for Notre Dame is if everyone is ready to go, that game tomorrow is for all the marbles in terms of moving on to Saturday in this ACC tournament. If Notre Dame wins tomorrow, they're guaranteed a spot in the tournament in the, in the Saturday semifinal because of the pod system. They are the highest seeded team. Everyone is going to be one and one at best at that point. They can really kind of throw away that Virginia game. Yeah. And I know based on last year, the 14 to one to Virginia, people probably want to exercise those demons. But <laughs> if, if Link Jarrett plays his cards right, win tomorrow, you punch your ticket to Saturday and Notre Dame is looking at only needing to win two more games to win the ACC baseball championship. So I, I think that was the uh, the result that Link Jarrett might have not out of not have outwardly said he wanted to happen, but it's probably what he was thinking uh, within the the locker room. Tyler, does winning the ACC tournament change at all the scenarios for Notre Dame possibly hosting? a super regional if they would get through the South Bend regional, which we know that they're going to get. Right. Link Jarrett said today that he believes so. He's, he went into this thing thinking if we win, we're a national seed. I'm not so sure about that. I really think they needed to win that series against Miami. Just one, you know, if they would have won one more game in Miami, it would have changed everything just because RPI points are different at that time. You have another quality win over a team that's, locked into pretty much 
a national seed at this point. But who knows? Maybe they'll get that revenge opportunity this weekend, even up the score against Miami. And then you're looking at a 2-2 two and two record against a team that's been pretty much top 10 in the country the last couple months. So I think there's definitely an opportunity of Notre Dame winning this ACC baseball championship and maybe getting fringe top eight potential. So if, if you're Notre Dame, that has to be the thought process. It's, mm. You know, we missed out narrowly on a national seed last year. It's right there for us again. We don't want to miss out narrowly again. I think Notre Dame has to gun for it. And, uh, you know, there's really no other mindset if you're Notre Dame. It's let's win this thing and see what happens. Tyler, you cover Notre Dame women's basketball. And a bit of a shock earlier this week, Coquise Washington, Neil Ivey's assistant coach, has become the new head coach at Rutgers. How big of a loss is Coquise to this Notre Dame women's basketball program? Really big loss, and, and you can't really sugarcoat it either. She played basketball at Notre Dame from 1989 to 93. She got her law degree from Notre Dame, graduated in 97. You know, shortly thereafter, became an assistant coach on Muffet McGraw's staff, was there for eight or nine years, won the national championship on the bench with McGraw, while current head coach Neil Ivey was the point guard. So that's where that relationship kind of got established. Of course, she went to Penn State for 12 years and did a pretty good job there. Took them to the tournament a couple of sweet 16s. Ends up coming back when Neil Ivey is uh, awarded the head coaching job in 2020. And I would say Coquise Washington is instrumental in getting KK Bransford, the All-American freshman that comes in this summer to come to Notre Dame. She has a pre-existing relationship with Bransford's mother going back to their days growing up in Flint, Michigan. Lauren Ebo came in from Texas. She started her career at Penn State. Coquise Washington was still the head coach at Penn State. So I don't think Notre Dame gets that graduate transfer without Washington. So she did a lot of things on the bench within games to help Neil Ivey and obviously Muffet McGraw back in the day. And she was awesome on the recruiting trail. So it's a big loss, but, you know, that's what happens when you have a coach that that's good. They're going to end up, you know, getting back to the, the highest level. And that's why she's the head coach at Rutgers now. All right, that's the latest there on the Notre Dame women's basketball team. And, Tyler, in terms of Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, you guys continue to produce story after story each and every day, and people can be a part of the Blue and Gold family so easily. Yeah, absolutely. Go to blueandgold.com right now. Sign up for a dollar for a year of premium access. So that includes the message board, anything that's behind the paywall that we write. You obviously have access to that. You can't beat it. One dollar for all of these articles. I mean, I, I don't even know how many articles I've written in the month of May, and that's generally a slow time if you're a college football reporter. But, uh, you know, we're, we're pushed to really work our tails off, and that's what we do. I think we outwork the beat. I think there's more stuff at blueandgold.com on Notre Dame athletics than you can find anywhere. So if you're a fighting Irish fan, that's the place to be. I've been saying it. I'll keep saying it. I'll keep saying it. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Folks, check it out. You can read the work of Tyler Horko, who joins me every Wednesday here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Tyler, thank you so much for the knowledge and the visit, and we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Darren. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Joining me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat 626 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 